0: The Mission Impossible TV series episodes from the 60s and 70s are famous for the theme music. And the opening scene where a voice on tape, which accompanied a packet of photographs or other information, would say, good morning, Mr Phelps. And then, your mission, Jim, should you decide to accept it, with some explanation of the mission. And then at the end of the instructions, he's notified... This tape will self-destruct in five seconds. Good luck, Jim. And then it sort of seems lame now, but the smoke comes out of the tape, tape player. Your mission, should you decide to accept it? It never really seemed like the Mission Impossible team had a choice whether or not to accept the mission. They were the IMF. Do you know what the IMF stood for? The Impossible Missions Force, suppose it follows, Impossible, difficult missions were what they did. I thought of Mission Impossible when reading Jesus' words to his followers, to us, in Matthew chapter 5. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. If you are a Christian, this is who you are. You are salt. You are light. There's no choice about that in Jesus' mind. As we embark on a year kicking off the year of serving Jesus together at St Mark's, the two points to see today are, you are the salt of the earth, don't lose it. You are the light of the world, don't hide it. Let's think about our being salt of the earth. In Jesus' world, salt's main use was as a preservative. Now, it did enhance flavours as well, and you saw with Cornelius and Peter the idea of salt uh, enhancing and improving society. And the way it did, of course, is in a society without refrigeration, the primary use of salt was to preserve things like meat. The alternative to being preserved was to go rotten, so when Jesus calls his followers the salt of the earth, he's saying you're to be a preservative against trends in society that are not go- godly and good. Uh, put another way, to enhance society by your presence and involvement. Now, Jesus has just completed the beatitudes in verses 3 to 10 of chapter 5. What what are the prized attributes of the blessed people living right side up in an upside down world that we've seen. Well, we've seen that they're people who mourn their own sin, we're we're to look to God for mercy, they're people who are meek and don't push their interests above God's or other people's, they're people who thirst and seek high standards of personal righteousness, long to see it in the world, who want to be pure and single-minded for God, rather than hypocritical and live for other things, who are calm peacemakers in stressful situations. So all those things are all aspects of being salt on the earth. If we live out those attributes, we will be an influence for good in our family, in our work, in our relationships, in our social and sporting clubs, in in society. And in a world where so many live by aggressively pursuing their rights to be heard and to have, for whom personal morality is ultimately about pursuing freedom to do as you like, where many don't treat their neighbour as they would like to be treated themselves and where the measure of the blessed life is the size of the bank account, the house, what labels are on your wardrobe and which holiday destination you can post photos from and where people are no longer really equipped with the spiritual tools to handle disappointment and failure and sickness and death, you, Christian, salt of the earth, you can make a difference. You are that salt. So Jesus' warning, don't lose your saltiness. Verse 13 again you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. How does salt lose its saltiness? I mean, after all, it's always salt. It's not as if you can wash the saltiness off salt. It's always sodium chloride. You try and wash salt and you end up with salt water, don't you? If salt's always salt, then what is Jesus mean by envisaging that salt could lose its saltiness well he's talking about how when pure salt gets so mixed with impurities that it ends up being useless as salt so there was a website on the internet which was showing tests you could use there was about 35 of them for testing impurities in different types of food and the one they had for salt was how to detect white chalk powder in your salt. I don't know why you'd want to do that, but of course, you know, we know from... um, If we watch crime shows, the classic thing of um, watering down the the drugs with the white powder to um, uh, make the product uh, go further and make more money for, for less input by the drug dealers. Well, I guess sometimes, similarly with salt, in places they can be fraudulent with the salt... And add things to it, and that ultimately makes it. If they do enough of that, could make it <laughs> not worth a thing as salt. But it wouldn't actually uh, do the job of preserving uh, food. Well, how could you then, as salt of the earth, lose your saltiness? How could you uh, be in the end not not salt? It, it's got to be through, doesn't it? Other ways we could be impure. So I reckon it's compromise It's conforming and blending to our culture, no longer living in a way that pursues Jesus' values, but conforming to society's values. Now, are you at risk of that? It's the question Jesus is asking us this morning. Do you ever feel a conflict between what you know Jesus would have you do or be and what others are doing, saying or being? And if you never do, then I'm sure you've actually lost your saltiness. And if if that is you, then have a really close examination of yourself and spend some time talking with Jesus, considering, is he really your Lord? Now, if you do know the challenge, experience that challenge of living in our world as Jesus' person, but you always choose to side with society, then again, ask yourself, Who are you serving? Would Jesus think that you're no longer good for anything? If you do know the challenge and you're seeking to be salty for Jesus and you fail sometimes, because we all do, then don't despair about that. Jesus knows your heart. He knows your direction. And as we saw in the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. We can come to Jesus as we we will later in our service and confess our sins and find comfort for those who mourn over their sin, to quote another of the Beatitudes. Sometimes, of course, as you seek to be salty for Jesus, you will experience uh, mocking or exclusion or be overlooked or criticised. These are the things we were thinking about with Dave last week. So remember Jesus' words uh, that we looked at last week. Verse 11 of chapter 5. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Isn't it interesting that Jesus' words about you are the salt, you are the light, come straight after that special promise and encouragement he gives to his people when they experience persecution losing your saltiness blending in that would be one way to avoid persecution no surprise then that jesus goes straight to you are the salt and don't lose your saltiness after he's been talking about persecution remember from last week the encouragement that was there for us so as we won't be tempted to conform Jesus' words, verse 12, "'Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you.'" Keep being sold. Even when it's hard at times, keep being sold. That's Jesus' will for you. Keep seeking to preserve and the good and contribute to good in our society. Now, today we're officially at St Mark's, marking the end of our summer holiday program and we're turning our minds to the year ahead, to the, the kickoff for the year. So I want to remind you of our church vision. Here's it in, in, in a hole, but it's impossible to read for you uh, from there. But see the, the general outline. And then I'm going to take us to the top, the very top of the roof, if you like, on the house that is the vision. And these words... We are about, as a church, sharing the gospel to all freshwater, helping people to encounter, believe and grow in Jesus. The part of our vision that most directly relates to us continuing to be salt is the goal for us to grow in Jesus. As we grow in Jesus, we're going to keep being the sort of people Jesus would have us be. Notice how that same idea of growing in Jesus is, is expressed in our pillars. So we've got strategic pillars that underlie the vision. There's three of them. And the one in the middle called transfer and transform talks about at the end having a focus on people being transferred to the kingdom of God and transformed into the likeness of Christ. One word for being in the likeness of Christ is being salt, being, being like him. In all his character, then we will be salt. Our Lord Jesus was an influence for good, for justice, for mercy, for peace. So as we grow in his likeness, we'll also be able to continue being salt in our spheres of influence in our life, so how are we going to do that this year? How are we going to keep growing together as a church so that we will be salt? Well, among our church ministries oh, that's a better slide along the bottom there are little boxes. And they are a little bit hard to read if you're at the back, I'm sure. They list the different ministries. One of those is our growth groups. One of our aspirations and the bottom of our vision, we've got a whole lot of aspirations, and one of our aspirations is that we work towards 85% of the adult membership of our church being in one of our growth groups. The list of growth group times are up the back. If you haven't signed up to be in a group this year it's a great means of growth and you'll be an encouragement to others in your group so have a look sign up to be a growth group so that's one way we're going to keep being salt in 2019. Another place another ministry listed along the bottom there is our Sunday services they're a place for growth in saltiness as well a place where you can be encouraged and built up to continue living Jesus' way in a world that won't encourage you to live Jesus' way. It's no wonder, is it, that people fall away from Jesus when they don't make a priority of church. I've been in ministry long enough to have the sadness of seeing people keen for Jesus going along, they look like the good soil, and then eventually it's pretty clear that in fact they were the weedy soil because other things get in the way of life. Other things become more importantly. And then after a while they find Jesus isn't true anymore. He hasn't changed. He hasn't gone anywhere. It was you that went somewhere is what I think. And they've lost because they weren't having the weekly encouragement that we have when we meet together. So. Watch out for those little decisions when you put something else over meeting together with your brothers and sisters. I love it at St Mark's that we have our three services and I love it how a number of you are good at um, something you, is unavoidable, a family thing you know you're going to have to miss church. We'll see you at one of the other congregations. That, that's fantastic. One of the w- wardens, Paul. I always know when Australia's playing international cricket in the summer, I always know I'll see Paul at a morning service because he's going to watch Australia hopefully win. Another aspect of being uh, salt is our concern for the needy. We can make a difference, can't we, in our society by how we help those in need. One of our aspirations here at St Mark's, listed at the bottom of the vision, is that 10% of our annual budget will be given in support of mission outside of freshwater, Being sold in our world means giving to various projects that are going to alleviate need or promote Jesus in the world. At present, some of our budget goes towards CMS and their mission work and also Ankarari and their work in the high schools. Many of us also give to mission in rural Australia through Bush Church Aid. Each year, parish council in recent years has been increasing the percentage of our mission giving, but we're still short of the 10%. It was 8% in 2018. Now I know that many of us give directly to organisations, keep doing that, but what can we do as a church to keep on doing being this aspect of SALT this year? We as a church are partnered with Anglican Aid who have amazing projects all around the world in relieving... Uh, need and at the same time uh, having Jesus commended to the people who are being served. We picked up with Anglican Aid projects last year when Lights did the big water project and also through drought relief uh, things that we did here in Australia. So what will it be in 2019? Nothing has been decided. Maybe you want to be the person who looks up the Anglican Aid website and looks at all their different partners and there might be something there that really strikes you as we could do that and we'll come up with a proposal for a special fundraiser for our church to get involved with for some chosen partner of Anglican Aid. That would be a good way for you to live as salt in 2019 and to help us to do it as well. There are so many other things we could explore about what we'll do together this year to help us keep growing and becoming more transforming to be more like Jesus. However, Jesus in our passage from Matthew 5 was also, was as well as being concerned about salt losing its saltiness, he was concerned about us being lights in the world and about that light being hidden. So our second point today, you are the light of the world, don't hide it. Sometimes we can make a big mistake as Christians despite the best of motives. So we read the Beatitudes and we want to be all out for God. We want to be growing. We want to be serving God. We, we know we are to be salt but the pressures of the world are great. We don't want to compromise. We don't want to blend in. And so we withdraw from the world. The most obvious example of that is those who move into convents and monasteries where they have very little contact with the outside, outside world. But we can do it as well when we, we let our, our lives shrink to only include church people and Christian people and Christian activities. We can become so busy outside our work with Christian people and groups that we have no time to be in the wider community and have non-Christian friends and belong to, to group, other groups. So I'm really glad that many of you are in probus clubs, sports clubs, or golf, soccer, a bridge clubs, some of you are in community groups like the Friends of Harbor or Freshwater, whatever their name is, or the library across the road. That is really good. Jesus would like that because he doesn't want us to absent ourselves from the world. To be light of the world and withdraw from the world, Jesus says there in verse 15, is as ludicrous as someone lighting a lamp and putting it under a bowl. You, you light a lamp to give light, to those around you. Jesus has made you a light to give light to those around you. In the same way that a city on a hill can't be hidden, your light is meant to be seen. But what exactly is our light? Again, it's our lives. We don't often look up at our ceiling, but on a recent hot night, We're lying in the hallway or near the hallway to catch a breeze, and Catherine remarks on how dark the big oval light fitting was. Can you guess what it is? It's pretty easy, I'm sure you have it in your house. No, no, you're so clean. No, it's dark from all the dead bugs that have been attracted to the light since the last time the globe blew and we took the cover off to clean it. Moths, bugs are all attracted to the light. Is that what it means to be the light of the world? Well, sort of, but there's a problem with that illustration, isn't it? If we're the light of the world like the light is with the moths, well, they're attracted to us. And what does it say in verse 16? Our light shining is meant to draw people to God. Look at verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The purpose of people, of you being the light, of people seeing your good deeds, is not so that they're attracted to you. People seeing us living out the Beatitudes in our everyday life is ultimately so that they'll come to know our Saviour and Lord. Now, they might compliment us, but ultimately we're not doing it for that, we're doing it for their sake, so they'd be drawn to our heavenly father because of the light of our good deeds. I think ultimately this is talking about people people being glorifying the father is shorthand for them actually becoming a Christian. I guess people might say thank god for the salvos or for you and leave it at that, but Jesus seems to be envisaging something much more life-changing when he talks about a person glorifying their Father in heaven. I don't think anyone glorifies the Father in heaven except the people that know him as Father and put their trust in him. So how can we be then light that attracts people to Jesus and our Father, uh, not ourselves? I think it's by remembering that most other important function of lights and that is to show the way. You know, you turn on the light when you get up in the middle of the night to go to the toilet in your house. You turn on the light on the front veranda when you're expecting a guest to help them negotiate uh, their way to the house across your garden and the tricky stairs. You turn on the light on your phone to show you the keyhole in the front door when that front light isn't on. So often light shows the way, just like the lamp on the stand in Jesus' illustration that gives light to let everyone in the house find their way and complete their tasks. Now it might also, of course, attract bugs or attention to itself, but the most important thing it's doing is it's showing the way to someone. You're the light of the world. You're to show the world the way to God, God the Father, God the Son, god the holy spirit for a couple of years when i was a tax consultant i used, used to sit next to a girl who was about my level she started a year after me so basically similar in our work at work i just i tried to live how jesus would have me you know salt i tried to to serve and help others with their work and not just use them to get ahead with mine I tried to be a genuine, interested listener about life's ups and downs, not just wanting to talk about me. I tried to avoid engaging in the office gossip, which can be so hurtful. I tried to, to be honest. And, and from time to time, this girl gave me a chance to talk about my faith and the gospel. She knew I was a Christian. I, I let that drop early on when you know you do the inevitable, what did you do on the weekend? It's easy to say I caught up with some church friends or At church, we had this interesting speaker, and so that's on the table. She, uh, she just, and when I left uh, the firm to go off and do ministry training, she made a lot of me being a nice and a good person. You know, she didn't have the, the vocabulary, but I was encouraged by that. I thought, yeah, you know, that's how Jesus wants me to be. She didn't. I don't know what God did with. Uh, those conversations we had and whether he's built on those in any way I tried to keep up with her after um, I left the firm but but we both let it slide unfortunately I hope she's eventually come now to glorify our heavenly father that was certainly my aim in being the light working alongside her and of course praying for her the whole time if you're a Christian just like that illustration Jesus says you're the light of the world don't Hide it by keeping quiet about being a Christian or churchgoer at work or among your friends and be salt. Don't be the annoying Christian who's always on about uh, the, the gospel but doesn't care for people. It's often by being salt, by loving and caring for someone and treating them as you should that you'll actually get the opportunity to be the light that points them to Jesus. That's so often how it works. That certainly was the case for me in the workplace. But it won't happen if you're not salty. It won't happen if you hide the light. I said earlier today that I wanted to, as we looked at this passage, consider our church vision to see how it might help us be um, salt. Well, let's also, in the light of the idea of being light, think about our church vision again. So the vision again up on the screen that we are to be sharing the gospel to all freshwater, helping people to encounter, believe and grow as Jesus. As we live as lights, as we seek to point the way to Jesus our Father, we'll be helping people to encounter... And believe in Jesus. What we mean by encounter is to think about him, to find out about him, to get information about him and f- see that he's the saviour and the Lord and then and move to the step of believing in him. People are encountering and coming to believe in Jesus as their Lord and, and saviour as we share about Christ. And so in our vision, in the second pillar again, it it calls on us uh, to have a focus on people being transferred into the kingdom of God. When we have that focus, we're talking about us being light. And I particularly want to highlight, sorry, I did it again, the third pillar of the vision, the outward community focus. It says, we have a focus not just on our church but our community, wanting to see all encounter and believe in Jesus Can you see the importance of this third pillar? When Parish Council was developing this vision over last year and a bit of the year before, uh, Tim Ellis, who led us in that development, was really, really strong on this third pillar because it's so easy for us to hide our light, to do lots of good things to build each other up and grow our saltiness, but to actually lose sight of our community And the need for people to encounter and believe on Jesus. So, thanks to Tim, it's one of our pillars. And when you look at the aspirations in our vision, so the aspirations uh, are those little boxes right at the bottom, which you can't read, but they set us a lot of goals to do. And a number of them involve us uh, being concerned about things to connect with our community. So one of the things we're planning this this year in a bigger way is uh, to help our presence in the community so that people will know about us and get a chance to encounter Jesus through one of our uh, other ministries. So as part of our presence, we're increasing the number of letterbox drops we're going to do this year. There's one I want to ask you to be involved in today. One of our great ministries, one of our great ministries to... Uh, reach out to people who are seniors or retired is the Third Friday at St Mark's. And up on the back table, we have postcards that look like this with a very nice picture of George and Sandra Hugo and Barbara Rogers and Tony Fitzgerald in the background and all the information about the Third Friday. What I want to ask you to do with this, we want to make this a more targeted uh, postcard drop, and that is if you've got someone in your street who's in the age group, you know, retired seniors, whatever that you think that means, put this in their letterbox. Or better still, if you are retired or seniors, take one of these and use it to invite your friend. But let's, um, do, let's help the Third Friday in their ministry by letterbox dropping these to the people in our street who might well think, yeah, that, we've tried to design this to really uh, welcome people. Uh, and and entice them to come along, of course. So will you do that? We've got uh, another postcard that will come up later in the month, uh, near the end of February. It's going to be double-sided. One side's going to be lights. The other side's going to be dynamites. Dynamites is starting again this Wednesday. Dynamites is our ministry to preschoolers and their carers, where they get to engage with Jesus every day, every, every Wednesday. So we, want to, uh, we found last year people just didn't know about dynamites. We want to, uh, we're going to do a whole suburb postcard drop for lights and dynamites uh, for that. So you'll hear more about that and I hope you'll get your walking shoes on and join us in that. One of the other exciting things we're going to be doing this year in more uh, overtly sharing Jesus is uh, what Dave and I call... Hot topic nights. It's not a good name, but it helps us know what we're talking about. We've only planned two this year. What it involves, and Dave's leading this, is uh, assembling a panel of expert people with uh, knowledge in a certain area. We're copying other churches who've done this sort of thing. So other churches might have had a night on environment, and so you get people who are who are scientists. In the area, or not on euthanasia, and you get someone who's a medical doctor and someone who works as a social worker in the area. They're Christians, these people. And they share a little bit, and it's mostly a a question and answer thing. And and what is hoped is that it'll help the Christian worldview come through in a way to people who wouldn't give Christianity a look, wouldn't give church a look, but they'll come for that. And that'll slowly help them to see that Christianity isn't just for those who throw their brains out the window, uh, but that it's actually, there's a, a rational content to it and something worth thinking about and it'll actually help to push people closer to actually personally really look at Jesus for themselves and consider their life and whether they would believe in him. It's a slow process. Dave's written to some of you to ask if you'd help him plan and organise it I hear he hasn't got much of a response. So if you've put that on the back burner, do at least talk to Dave about it because it's a new concept and I don't know if we, any of us understand it fully, what it, what it means. But um, we're going to have a better name than Hot Topic Nights, but it, that's exciting. It's a real attempt to, uh, as, as we were saying before, uh, connect with our community to um, be outward-looking in a way that we haven't done before. One of the things we also am excited about this year in May is we're having a man called Sam Chan come and speak here on a Tuesday night. Sam is a sort of person that's very popular as a speaker on evangelism and mission. Uh, he gets booked up two years ahead, but through contacts we only had to book him four months ahead and we got him. Um, Sam's going to come and he's going to help us to think about being salt and light. He's going to help us to think about uh, our relationships and how we might um, just naturally be, uh, be able to share Christ and see opportunities to do that. So that's going to be made. Don't miss that night with Sam. There's other churches joining us because it will be a great encouragement and, and help for us as well. One of our aspirations is to hold two or more community focus events each year. Now, the Fifth Saturday Markets was a great attempt to do that, but what we found was it was really hard to attract enough patrons to look at the stores and gradually the storeholders dropped off and it was a bit of a vicious cycle. When you don't have enough storeholders and you don't get the people and you don't get the people, you don't get the storeholders. So I made the decision late last year that we wouldn't do the Fifth Saturday Markets but put our efforts into other things in 2019. And I acknowledge that some, of, many of you worked really, really hard on the Fifth Saturday in Markers, but that was the point. For all the effort you were putting in, we weren't really making much contact with the community. But was it wrong to do it? No, it was a great thing to do, and Pam and Joanne particularly shouldered a great burden in doing it. And we're thankful for them because it was trying to do this community focus aspect. But... Like with all things, you try some things and then you decide, "Mm, this isn't working, the strategy's not right, whatever. So we think again. And the thing, one of the things I want to share with you and ask for your involvement in this year is we're going to do a big Halloween afternoon on Halloween, October 31. It's modelled on a successful afternoon of this type at Narrabeen Baptist in 2018. What we're finding is we have some traction with families And what Narrabeen Baptists found was, uh, I guess along the lines of being salt, was that families were looking for an alternative around Halloween where they can come and the sort of scary part of Halloween doesn't get emphasis. So at Narrabeen they called it lollipalooza, which says a lot, and it involved dress-up, games, lots of lollies, and it went well. And so we're going to copy them. We don't have many original ideas. (laughs) As light, Jesus was communicated through a puppet show in the afternoon as well. So, anyway, more about that as the year goes on. We're going to do the usual chasm, of course, through the year and and love people to be involved in that. We also, of course, are involved in the SRE at school. And if you want to be a helper to our SRE teachers, talk to Joanne about, about coming and just helping. Sue down here. Was a great helper in SRE at school. Sue is not a person who'd get up front, but she's great up the back redirecting wayward you two boys. (laughs) So thank you, Sue. So talk to Sue about what it's like to be a helper in a classroom. The question for each of us is how will we live out Jesus' mission to be salt and light in 2019 in our individual lives and in our church ministries. In our church vision, in our aspirations, one of the first aspirations says that every member who is able be in some form of joyful service. So get involved with the things. If you're not sure where that is for you, many of you are already doing heaps. Thank you. Keep going. Keep supporting each other. But if you need to pick up some area of joyful service, talk to me or Dave about that. Now all this can feel a bit overwhelming, can't it? It's just so much and that the years ahead of us and we look at our world and so many aren't interested in Jesus and we feel like a, a little little wart on the side of society. Being salt and light can be overwhelming. Literally feel like mission impossible. But I was encouraged, and I keep reminding myself of this by some words that I heard from a church leader in Melbourne uh, during last year, and I hold on to this. In the face of an overwhelming number of people who don't care about Jesus, who are not interested in his church, he reminded us that Jesus said, I will build my church. That's what Jesus said in Matthew Chapter 16. I will build my church. As we faithfully seek to be salt and light, doing uh, what the best we can, our plans and our vision are ultimately in God's hands. So we'll pray and we'll try new things and we'll keep doing some of the old things that are good things to do and we'll rest, knowing that it's ultimately not all up to us because I will build my church. And that's an encouragement. Hold on to that this year when things are a bit hard because inevitably they will be at some point.